Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Ray Ferraro and Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Such a limited time to enjoy your watercraft. Don't waste any of it worrying about how to protect your property in the event of an accident or a theft. Let Wyatt Dowling ensure you are properly covered. Leave your worries at the door. Allpointsinsurance.ca. Three-year new model replacement. All risk. Agreed value protection. Thanks to those guys for stepping up and helping out the podcast. If you need some coverage for your watercraft, check them out. Allpointsinsurance.ca. Thank you for listening to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. And now, here's Ray. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of Pulp Hockey Podcast with Ray Ferraro. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Get it wherever you get podcasts from uh, Stitcher, PulpHockey.com, iTunes, uh, Google Android Store, all of that. And uh, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line to talk about the awards, some trades happening. We'll go more into Tavares talk and uh, maybe take some of your questions on Twitter. 18-year NHLer, TSN lead color analyst, Ray Ferraro. What's up, Ray? How are you? I'm good. I am. Uh, this is, you know, we're about a week away from the best time of year, and that's after July 1st, because then I'm really, really on holiday. But um, it's so nice, honestly. Like, you, you know, like I joke a lot about oh, travel and doing this and all that, but I love what I do. But man, it's nice to get home. It's just like to get up and not right. have like six radio hits and a flight and then a game the next day and then a flight and then a game the day after that. Yeah. It's kind of nice to, to settle down and actually see like, Oh, this is how the house works in the morning. The, this is how, like a lot of times I don't see it. Right. I, Cause all winter I'm gone. So it's really, it's, it's awesome to be back. Yeah. And our listeners, golf are, and, oh, you know, I like it. Our listeners got to know, like I'm, I'm always like, Holy crap. Are you a busy guy? You know what I mean? Like trying to fit this podcast in and, and you got your games and your travel and your radio hits. And I'm, I'm always like, holy, it is nonstop for you during well, the season. It would be way easier if like a lot of guys that are doing this job that are my age, like their kids are grown and you know yeah. they're out of the house. Yeah. They're doing their own thing. And I got an 8 and 11 year old who have just been in a wrestling match here um, <laughs> over the right. iPad charger. <laughs> right. At, at like 8.04 in the morning. And you're like, See, when I'm on the road, I'm usually asleep, so Cammy's got to deal with all this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and she's way better at dealing with it, by the way. Yeah, yeah, of course, right? Yeah, yeah the, the women of the world are the really what hold it together, let's face it. Oh, she comes in and all of a sudden both have chargers. I, <laughs> I'm like, I was just ready to give somebody heck. I don't know who, why, or what, but I'm like, stop it. It's just it's 8 o'clock in the morning. They don't care. They need the charger. Yeah, they need it now. School, you know? um, yeah. Let's let's start before we get to everything though. I got to get to the bottom of this. So you're umping, you're an umpire now, Ray? Yeah. Well, I went there. Uh, Reese, my eight year old, he was um, he's playing in his uh, his uh, spring summer baseball league, and uh-huh. um, and so there was no umpire. Uh, I don't know what happened, and so they're like, "Hey, does anyone want to ump?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'll ump." You know, I obviously, I, well, not obviously, but I played a lot of baseball when I was a kid, and 
played till I couldn't play anymore, which was when I turned pro. And mm-hmm. and it, it's really my favorite sport. I love it. And so, um, yeah, so I'm open. And I told the coaches when, when we started, um, there will be no walks. And they're, <laughs> they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, tell your kids to swing the bat. Like, they're nine, right? Like, yeah. just swing the bat and let's, you know, <laughs> let everybody have some swings and <laughs> I'm not really going to call anybody out. Like, I'm not going to ring up a nine-year-old for a strikeout, right? So, um, and then, but the only real rule I have is that, so a kid hits, goes, you know, gets gets on base or gets called out. Um, So the next hitter runs up to the plate and he's got his own bat. Mm -hmm. And then the other bat's still sitting there. So I make sure, I'm like, on deck hitter, I'm on these guys right from like the second hitter of the game. (laughs) Who's got the bat? Who's got the bat? Because I don't want to throw the bats because I think it's a bad lesson for the kids. The bats cost 200 bucks now. Yeah. They're not like the old $8 wooden bats that we used to use. So I'm like, come over here, pick up the bat, and go put it on the fence. <laughs> and, you know, and so I, I, I think I run a kind of a tight ship, but it's, uh, I love doing it. Like some of, the, <laughs> some of the questions the kids ask, like one kid yesterday came up, and it was like the fifth inning, and he's like, is this the fifth inning? I said, yeah, I think so. And he's like, "Oh, okay, I'm getting hungry." And I said, "You know, I'm I said I'm hungry too." And he goes, "But I had a big breakfast." I go, "Breakfast? That's like 10 hours ago." Yeah, yeah. Did you eat lunch? And he goes, "Well, yeah. Yeah, I had lunch and then I had some yogurt, and then he was telling me what he ate through the day, and I was cracking up. I just I loved it. It was great." Please tell me you refrain from calling the kids chum and pal. Yeah, none of that. Okay, none yeah, of that. Right. I, um I do like w- one time there's a, a kid sliding into second. And um, so I'm basically, I'm, you know, I'm mumping home plate and the bases. Yeah. So I'm kind of behind the plate almost. And there's a play at second. And I call the kid out and this parent yells, he was safe. I go, no, he wasn't. <laughs> and then the guy just like, stopped. And I'm like, I don't care if you think he was safe. He's, no, he's not. Yeah. I just called him out. And since I'm the only ump out here, he's out. Yeah. The parent, the parent yells back. I always hated you when you played. I always hated the Islanders. <laughs> the next line always, though, the next line always is uh-huh. it's just sitting there for me as if the guy, if somebody wants to right. yell something, and uh, I always say, you know, you could do this too if you'd like. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, go ahead. And it's funny that the volunteers just dip yeah. away when yeah. they want it. You know, right. nobody wants to do that. Well, I thought the. But I like uh, it, Steve. Honestly, I like it. I, it's fun. I, I enjoy it. The the tight strike zone really made me laugh out loud when I saw that. <laughs> yeah. It's just just the way you are. When in reality, in reality, I have the opposite. Yeah. I have the biggest strike zone. For, oh. You know, it gets different when the kids are actually, sure. you know, really pitching. And I'm like, but right now, if the ball is headed in the direction of the plate, yeah. it's a strike. Um, Start to swing at it. <laughs> I could imagine you being like you're the same way you are with the linesman. Let's let's hurry this thing along. Let's drop this puck. Let's 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 call the strike zone proper. Yeah. Let's go. Let's hurry this thing along. Yeah, pitcher gets his you know he gets a couple of warm up pitches, right. and when I see the the little guy starting to dawdle out there a little bit, I'm oh like, yeah, all right, balls in. Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. he, you know he might be picking and picking his underwear uh, out of his butt, but I'm like, all right, he's loose, ball in. Well, you know, and they're the thing is the kids have. They have a great time mm-hmm. if you can keep the game moving. As soon as they lose interest, it's when everything slows right down to a crawl. Yeah, and so I think it's part of part of the job is like move it along, move yeah. it along. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of baseball, your Boston Red Sox two games out of the division lead right now. How do we feel? 
Well, not not great. I mean, they've they've hit a little bit of the skids. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, they've they've got they've gone dry hitting wise for sure. And part of that is uh, Mookie Betts has has been out now. He's come back and he's kind of not gotten his stride back. But yeah, I'm he- not too concerned because they'll be in the playoffs. They're not, you know, unless they lose their way to all the ballparks, mm-hmm. they're going to make the playoffs. And, yeah. um, you know, it's like, but you know what? As good as they are, it's like any team. If your big boys aren't your best guys, you got trouble. And Chris Sale hasn't pitched very well by his standard. Yep. Betts has slumped off a little bit. Martinez was hurt. And, um, and yeah, that, so now they hit the dive. And I don't know what's happened to Jackie Bradley Jr. I don't Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Now, look, yeah. I'm, I'm not a baseball commentator, so. Mm-hmm. Other than ju- now, this is just fanboy here, yeah. Ray fanboy. Yeah. It looks like he will never get a hit again. Yeah, ever. yeah, yeah. It's like when he misses, he's missing by a mile. Like, like yeah. I, I can't, I can't even watch. Sometimes I'm like, oh my god, this poor guy has totally lost it. I, I don't know exactly what's happened, but he's totally lost it, and. You know, there's your center fielder. He's hitting yep. ninth and hitting a Good. buck ninety-one or whatever, and still, you're like, "Holy!" Still providing plus defense, though, for sure. But yeah, yeah, but yeah, the- right. Well, the, clearly, if he's if he's not the fielder, he is. <laughs> then, yeah. then they can't have him in the lineup. Um, is uh, allow me a, a small rant here. Nothing uh, is the difference between the Toronto Blue Jays, which is my favorite team, and the Boston Red Sox. Then. Uh, you know what, Hanley Ramirez, I, we know we owe you a bunch of money, but you know what, it's not working out. See you later. Uh, the Blue Jays, however, hey, Kendry Morales, yeah, you're batting under 200. I mean, he may be over now, um, but uh, you're going to keep playing every day. Like nothing is more, you know, disp- disparity well, between the, the two the clubs. The funny part about this is the company that owns the Blue Jays, Rogers, is one of the wealthiest owners. Mm-hmm. In baseball, they just choose to spend their money in other places. Like they've got a, you know, they're not going to take from A to B to pay for the Blue Jays. So they're like, these are our revenues. This is what we get for the Blue Jays. Yeah. And that's fine. But wow, they're, um, the Sox are like, they're going backwards right now. And, and they've got some real issues coming up here. Like they've, They've got oh, it's, either it's terrible. replace the ballpark or repair the ballpark, and they keep going on this song and dance. They got the thing for $25 million. <laughs> yeah, the team, the park, I think everything for what? One, everything. Yeah. They, yeah, and so, you know, like it, the sob story that's going to start coming out about their, they're going to need public money and all that stuff. Um, well, good luck. Well, I just, and again, not to, start, to be all baseball, but I just read something. Uh, Toronto Blue Jays have increased their ticket prices thirty three percent in in uh, three years, and, and and invested and they and they went through the free agent signings and they barely invested any of that back into the well, team. The crazy part you know? is teams always are you know are are sharp on raising prices when the iron's hot. Like the Jays have been one of the best teams over the last few years, right? Yeah. Not not last year, notwithstanding, mm-hmm. and they were exciting yep. and they were. Um, and they piled in, you know, forty-five thousand people a night. It was, it was, it was fantastic. When they hit a down cycle, it's not like anybody says, "Okay, we're going to reduce ticket prices yeah. by twelve percent." Oh, I know, right? Of the thirty-three percent, no chance. Nope, no, no chance. So it's like when income tax went in to pay for the first world war. 
Yeah. Um, oh, dear. We got to have it paid by now, don't we? Yeah, I think so. Right. It's like the tolls. We're just going to put yeah. tolls on until this bridge or road is paid for. Well, we should <laughs> we should put tolls on because if you looked at any of these bridges, holy smokes! Yeah, they're they're hanging on by Lego yeah. pieces. Some I, of them. I just I admire the socks can be like, yeah, Hanley, see you later. It's not working out. We got no room for you, no position for you. You're not playing that well, and we'll just eat the money because we're we want to win. We want we'll eat the money. And, well, and in my in my lifetime, the the first team that I saw really do that was the Yankees, and that was when Steinbrenner bought the team, mm-hmm. and there was no. There was no expense that he wasn't going to spare. I mean, he was vicious and mean as an owner and bottom line as they come. But, man, when they needed to spend, he spent. And he stood out like a sore thumb because franchises just didn't do that back then. Yeah. And it's, it's almost the same as like what happened in hockey was for a long time, um, you know, with no cap, you were able to, to spend where you wanted to spend. Yeah. And some teams were willing to spend whatever it took. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, whatever it took meant that they didn't win anyway, but they spent it anyway. And then the cap comes in, and you, you know everything gets squeezed together. And we've, we've seen it, and there's been a, you know, great examples of it. There's some people that love it and others that don't. And you know, I, for one, wish there was a, a salary cap, one, one salary cap exemption per team. Um, so you you would have at least a, a cushion that you mm-hmm. could maybe have some movement because Steve, look at even just you know I know there was other circumstances to Mike Hoffman's trade, but as soon as Hoffman got traded, it's like the dam burst. All of a sudden, now there's contract signings. There's a couple other things yeah. that pop up. There's some other moves that happen, and movement is good for the entrance interest of base of of any sport. It is yeah. in baseball. It is in football. Even though football doesn't have trades per se, they've got that crazy off season most of the time, and and hockey is, it, I think that's one area they yeah. maybe they can address without getting into changing the salary cap because the owners aren't going to change that. But you can get into that mm-hmm. and maybe promote a little bit more movement or possibility of movement. Yeah. because man, it's exciting, isn't it? Oh, the NBA has just been ruling the off seasons. And and they have a salary cap, but there's exemptions and there's sign and trades and there's lots of different windows and and clauses to allow these players to move. And they have been doing that. And and I mean, a part of it is because they got an influx of huge TV money, which the NHL is not going to get. But any, right. either way, it's still it, it, it's an exciting league. Uh, Twelve months of the year, you know. So and, and because now that look, last night um, because of the way the NHL dealt with the Humboldt tragedy. I mean, that made the awards um, memorable. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of cases, and and I would say uh, Taylor Hall's speech and the way he dealt with with all of that stuff, being MVP and the um, attention that came with it, that was really, I thought, another high point of of the night. But a a lot of times, once the award's over now, you know, okay, good, awards is over, everybody onto the draft, draft's over and there'll be a, you know, a buzz of excitement around the draft, and there'll be there'll be some movement, and then there's free agency, and then sayonara. Yep. See you in October. Yep. And that's the time of the year where it would be nice if there were, uh, you know, the possibility of more movement. But once that first week of July is over, you know what teams got left in cap space, and you know there's yep. not going to be much left. Yep. And there's traditionally not many moves the first three, four months of the season. 
Everybody's kind of got their right. team set. Their cap is where it's at, and and they're all going. So there's not much going during the right. And in the, the first year. part too, Steve, they're protecting cap. Yeah, they're yeah. like, okay, we're. That's when you see guys getting yep. you know sent down for six hours, basically, like uh, overnight. Right. So they can save a few dollars here and yeah. there on the cap, and it might seem insignificant, but we know it really matters now. After over a decade of the cap, we know you can save. Ten thousand dollars here and ten thousand dollars there on the cap. It adds up over a hundred eighty day se- mm-hmm. season. Uh, well, let's get into the awards a little bit. Any surprises for you from from the awards of the winners? Any anything that caught your eye? For me, uh, Ted Lindsay, winner voted on by the NHL players, was Connor McDavid, and uh, yeah, he wasn't no even surprise. nominated for the for the heart. So that's a little bit of a surprise. Well, but but see the you know not, so you get into the final three. I had McDavid fifth mm-hmm. on on my ballot. And, uh, um, you know, it, it, it becomes interesting in all these awards that I don't think people quite, they can't quite get their head around, is that if I vote for Connor McDavid fifth, that doesn't mean I vote against him four times. Yeah. It means I vote, in my view, what I think is the most valuable player. Um, I voted four guys that I thought had seasons that were more valuable to their teams than McDavid. Now you can say, well, McDavid did, you know, had an amazing year, which he did. Yeah. Yeah. And, and McDavid can do things that other people can't, which he does. But there, in my opinion, what Taylor Hall did and what Nathan McKinnon did for the quality of teams they had Mm -hmm. were that stood out to me. And so when people say, well, look, McDavid played on a terrible team. They didn't, you know, he doesn't have anyone to play with and he, and he, you know, he put up a hundred points and well, you know, I understand Nico Hishier is a good player, but he's 18. Hishier yeah. wasn't a great player or Taylor Hall wasn't a great player because of Nico Hishier. No, Hishier helped no. yeah. and he is a good player. But what Hall did was, I think was, was outstanding. Now I voted for McKinnon first, Hall second. Mm-hmm. And you could see by the vote total, yeah, the either guys one. that yep. that voted were, you know, they must have all been doing the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, juggling balls in the air, and whichever one came down is, you know, I I found it a really really difficult choice for me, but I'm I'm not surprised. I think he deserved it. Um, I also think McKinnon deserved it because let's not forget last year the Avalanche were a joke; yeah. they were a running joke, and this year, um, yeah, they get better goaltending by a mile. But Nathan McKinnon was was brilliant. It, it's just uh, it's crazy to think Taylor Hall won the heart. You look at the winners of the Hart Trophy, and they're icons, they're amazing legends, and, and it's such a great trophy to win. And it's it just it's, it means everything. And this guy, you know, left Edmonton just in, in a, in a sh- <laughs> you know everyone couldn't wait to get him out of town. And here he is. And it's, and I'm not saying this to kick at kick the Oilers fans or Oilers or anything else. It's just you never know, man. And and what a cool story! Like the guy is now a Hart Trophy winner. Well, I I felt or I said at the time I was surprised that the best they could do for Taylor Hall was Adam Larson. I think Adam Larson a fine defenseman, mm-hmm. but Taylor Hall has a quality to him that Larson won't have because he's not a Larson's not going to ever be a dynamic defender. He's not going to be Eric Carlson or he's, he's not going to be Victor Hedman, yeah. for example. So I, I, I felt that 
golly, I think they could do better than that. Maybe they couldn't. Well, obviously, they couldn't in Peter Shirelli's mind, and, and they made that deal. But to say it blew up in their face wouldn't be fair. Mm-hmm. But whatever's next door to blowing up in your face, <laughs> that's, that's what, kind of... Whatever's in the same vicinity as that? Yeah. Right, yeah, right. I mean, because, look, you just you traded a guy, whether you think he was the MVP or not, he was the MVP or the runner-up in most guys' in most guys yeah. ballots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good for good for him. Congrats, uh, real, real cool deal. Uh, anything else catch your eye? Anything else uh, surprising? No, you know I, um, I voted for Doughty. I had Hadman in the, yep. in the North. Um, you know, <laughs> I, it, whatever, right? Yeah, either, either, either. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, like you're not. So to, to a lot of these votes, to me, you got down, you were splitting hairs. Like the Selkie sure. was easy for me. Um, I voted for Kopitar, and I just. I just think as far as it being a complete, a real complete player, like we hear this term that I hate, the 200-foot player thrown around all the time. Kopitar is as close to it as there is, as, as anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, he plays both ends of the ice. He yeah. plays in every spot. He plays on every power play. He kills penalties. He takes face-offs. He plays matchup. And I'm like, well, how else? You know, for me, yeah. there wasn't anybody yeah. else. That was, that was kind of an easy one. It's funny. Last year, everyone, all of us, were wondering what's going on with him, and you know, he barely scored any goals, and a couple of them were in empty nets. And and, and, and here he well, is. A couple he just, things. Ha- a couple things happened though uh, for Kopitar. Is um, he got a handle on his? Um, this will sound goofy, but he got a little bit of a handle on his personal life. Um, had a baby. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a lot of changes in life. Had another baby. A lot of changes in life. Uh, lost some weight. You know, got himself into you know, a, a different kind of shape because mm-hmm. he's always been in shape. Um, you know, he's never been a player that you're like, oh, geez, 10 yeah. pounds over. Yeah, yeah. But like a lot of guys that, you know, he's getting a little older and he went, you know what? The game's faster. I'm not. I need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And now that's not always the cure-all, but it certainly helped him. He, I thought he skated way better this year and also was helped, uh, I think, by a little bit of change of style. Uh, in LA, a little bit more um, offensive style. Yeah, and yeah. then you've, and then you've got, um, you know, you've also got uh, Dustin Brown having a a resurgent year mm-hmm. because Dustin Brown was another guy that was kind of left for dead. Yeah, absolutely, and, yep. and had a terrific year. Now, I think we saw in their series against Vegas what the real shortcomings are for LA and what they have to address. And and they've got to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, they just they just couldn't quite keep up. They couldn't quite generate enough chances. Uh, I think of the one game, Steve in Vegas. What was it? Maybe game might have been game two. Was that the double overtime game? Yeah, I yeah. think I yeah. think it was. Yeah, it was. L.A. had one chance in the double overtime, and it was Kopitar about three or four minutes in. Yep. And Flurry made a terrific glove save. But other than that. Like, Kopi was the only guy that generated a chance, mm-hmm. is my point. Yep. So, um, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's a terrific player. He's had an excellent, excellent career, and I thought he was well-deserving of, of that award last night. Um, all right, you want to move on from that, or you have anything else? Yeah. Award? Um, no, no, okay. really. as, as the trots turns, uh, it, there's a previously unreported clause in his deal. Now, um, you've been saying the whole time that, that you think he was out of there, and, and it – 
reading the tea leaves, it seemed like it was. And then, of course, they win the cup. And it seems like the the general manager, the owner, and Barry himself were all like kumbaya and it looked like he wants to stay and it's going to happen. And then all of a sudden, there's this unreported clause in his contract. He signed it, and it, it bumped his salary up to, I think it was from 1.5 to 2 million if he wins the cup. Now, of course, that's. 1.5 to 1.8. Oh, 1.8. Okay. So, of course, that's way under what Stanley Cup winning coaches normally uh, are paid. And he resigns, and he's out of there. And so. Arthur Staple, who we've had on the show a couple of times, uh, seems to think um, you know he might end up on, on the island. Of course, nobody's talking about that. But, Ray, let's cover it first from your point of view. Uh, what about this clause and the Capitals seemingly you know, wanting to say, hey, Barry, this is the clause. This is, what you're, this, is what, what's, this is what's happening. Well, I mean, the, as far as the clause not being reported, I mean, it's, it's really nobody's job to report it. I mm-hmm. guess if somebody knew about it, they could report it. Um, it, it, there is no there is no site um, or no access to coaches' contracts like yeah. there is to players. Like a you know a player has a contract clause, everybody knows about mm-hmm. it because it gets reported, and that's not the case with um, uh, with coaches. So that you know, so I wasn't surprised yep. to hear there was a clause, although I hadn't heard of one like that. Mm-hmm. But. You know, I got some great advice when I signed my con- one of my contracts from my agent, Steve Bartlett. And Steve had told me that when you sign your deal, make sure you're happy with it and then never look back because somebody's going to leapfrog you. And when they leapfrog you, that's just the way it is. So what? They leapfrog you mm-hmm. because your turn is going to come back up and hopefully you've put together a couple of good years and you leapfrog them. That's, that's how it all rolls along. And, and I found it to be really good advice because lots of guys start to complain and, you know what, about their contracts, mm-hmm. but they've signed them already. Well, you signed it. Yeah. You liked it at the time. And so, you know, you never heard anything about the contract from Trotz. He just coached away. They win. Now this clause comes up. Yep. The, the fact of the matter is there was very little to almost none – uh, no communication between McClellan and Trotz through the latter part of the season. They were kind of on opposite sides of the fence, and I think it pretty understandably so that Barry was, unlike most coaches of his stature, even before winning, considered a an excellent coach, was that he was in the last year of his contract. Two of his assistants had extensions, and he didn't. Nor did his assistant that he brought yeah, from Nashville, Lane buddy. Lambert. Right. So the kind of the writing's on the wall, isn't it? We're going to see how it goes. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I know what it means, but we're going to see how it goes for you two, but not for those two. <laughs> right. And so when, you know, I didn't think there was any way that the bridge could be repaired. They, they end up winning the cup and maybe there's a chance, but I didn't, I just didn't see it. Yep. I, I didn't see it. And now the Islanders, of course, are the team without a coach. Mm-hmm. Um, new general manager and Lou Lamarillo. A lot of it makes sense. Like, could you imagine the change in credibility for the Islanders? It doesn't mean results, but credibility. Yeah. Yep. If their general manager and coach were Lou Lamarillo and Barry Trotz. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you know, like you turn the page in a hurry. I mean, Doug Waite was a first-time coach. Um you know, he, um, you know, Gar Snow had been the general manager there for a decade and or so, and you know, and you yeah, know, no, uh, it's, kind of well, it's just surprisingly like so. Like, 
they're, they're less. They, they made one playoff appearance in his tenure there. I mean, yeah. that's 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 not. It's, I mean, that, uh, that's hard to get your head around. And it became a it became a, a sore point as it should have been mm-hmm. for the Islanders fans and their organization. Really, is that you keep employing the same people and they don't make the playoffs. You got to make a change somewhere. So. I don't know if Trotz is going to sign there. I don't know if he's going to take a year off yep. and then wait to see what comes down the road because that's not going to damage his credibility anyway um, or damage the want of of Trotz to, to be a coach when a team opens up. Because one thing I think, aside from winning, Steve, that's really important is that Trotz changed a lot of the ways he went about things over the last couple of seasons. Mm-hmm. So I would say he he appears more current than a late 50s guy. Right. right, like a lot yep. of guys yep. that get into their, like I would say, there's other coaches that have been let go that seem like old school guys that they're not going to get another chance. Yeah, and I and you know coming off a of Stanley Cup and the way that he's coached his teams, I don't I don't think. <laughs> I don't think there'll be any shortage of opportunity for for Barry Trotz. Yeah, uh, I agree. T- talking about you know turning the page and having Lamarillo and Trotz as a Leaf fan. It's like Hemi Lamarillo and Babcock. Like we, the Leafs went in this wilderness for years with guys, and and then as soon as they got Lou Lamarillo and Mike Babcock, you're like, okay, that's done, that's taken care of. Solid hockey people right here, winners, you know. And right, yeah. and now and that and that leaves a lot of pressure on Kyle Dubas. Yeah, and it does. Who, it who does. takes over the Leafs, right? And right. you know, the, not only is Kyle a first year manager at the NHL level, which every every one of these guys were first year managers at one time. I think a lot of people forget that that mm-hmm. when a new guy gets hired, they go, "Well, he's never been a manager at this yeah. level before." Yeah. Well, none of them had been at one point. You can like f- I think Kyle will do a good job, but man, did they hand him a full plate. Um Where's Lou to, to start with? Where's Lou from? Providence, right? Pro- Providence. Yes. Yeah, yeah. so can you imagine the, the? I mean, we don't have the media back then, but in 1986 or whatever, 85, we got a guy from Providence as a general manager. What? Yeah, you know, a, like, a guy that was coaching. <laughs> right. Um, while Trotz was in Newark Airport, I don't know if you saw that or not. Arthur Staple reported on that. I did. I, yep, I, so. I, I'm sure, knowing Barry just a little bit, uh-huh. I'm sure he gets or is getting a giggle out of that stuff. Okay, that right. people are tracking yeah, where yeah. he is. <laughs> right, right. Pretty, pretty soon we're going to have a tail number of a private plane for, for Barry. Yeah, you know, so there's, you know, I mean, I'm sure he's getting a kick out of that. Yeah. So I would be shocked if, if Lamarilla wasn't, uh, at the very least, seriously kicking tires. Yep, yep. And Barry will get a nice, nice raise from that 1.8 that he was scheduled to make with the Cavs. Oh, I, yeah. I mean, um, you know what? It's funny. When Mike Babcock signed... Um, you know, a lot of times I think Mike has a little bit of bluster to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of times, a lot of times he's right. And he mentioned one of the things that he said, or one of the things he said was that when he signed that contract, that his hope was that it was going to drag along other coaches' salaries. And there's no question it yeah, has. Yeah, it has for sure. All right, trades, trades. We got some trades to talk about. Uh, first up, uh, Arizona Coyotes and Montreal Canadiens, Max Domi, uh, uh, Alex Galchenyuk. What do you think of that? What do you make of that? Uh, first of all, a lot of the analytic guys really tore it apart. I uh, said uh, Mark Bergevin of the Habs got taken. Um, other people, and then there was a sort of a comeback to that and saying, you know, Max has more years of control and, uh, you know, he, he helps the guys around him with his first assists. Um, what's your take on that trade? 
Well, uh, two very different players. Um, so we'll start with, with Domi. And so Domi goes to Montreal. Uh, as, as I said, uh, I tweeted out right after, I'm not really sure what another playmaking winger does for Montreal mm-hmm. at this point. Um, if you're going to use Galchenyuk as a trade chip, why not address the positions you need the most help at, at center ice and on the blue line? They don't need another winger. And when I heard Bergevin say, well, he has played some center, yeah. I almost <laughs> threw up in my mouth. I'm like, you're not going to do it again, are you? Like, right. You can't just take a guy, talented as he is, and say, okay, play out of position at the very best league. Yep. It doesn't work that way. You can't, you can't take a finance major and say, okay, I, I know your strength is finance but we're going to put you in research and development. It yeah. doesn't work. Yeah. You, you, you can't, it's not that easy. So Domi's, go, Domi's a pass-first player. He's an aggressive player, dynamic skater. Um, I like him as a player. I don't like that they gave up goals in the trade. Goals are hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think Galchenyuk will score 30 goals, or 25 to 30 goals, He'll score 25 to 30 goals more frequently than Domi will get 20. Yeah. And to me, that's a big difference. And so Domi's got 18, 9, and 9 goals. Of the 9 goals he scored last year, 4 were into the empty net. Yeah, wow. I had no idea until I read that. Jeez. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, you've got to, you can say, oh, he wasn't playing with good players or whatever you want to try and justify it. He got 9 goals. Mm-hmm. Look at the list of players that had 10. And so that's, but I don't think Domi, like in saying that, it's not like I think Domi's a bad player. I don't at all. I just don't understand why that was the player that Montreal targeted. Now on the other side of that is Galchenyuk. And he's got to shoulder some of the blame for the way that he played. At times he was petulant. He didn't work. He was a little bit in, well, not a little bit. He was a lot inconsistent. But the Canadians get an A for improper player development. So let's take an 18-year-old, mm-hmm. draft him as a centerman, play him on the wing, tell him we're going to put him in the middle, put him in the middle for 25 games, put him back on the wing, say he's going to go back in the middle, put him there for two games, and then put him back on the wing. Tell everybody about his faults, not about what he can do. So each time you say that, and each time you move him positions, you're eroding his confidence. Chip, 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 mm-hmm. chip. And eventually you get a shell of a player. In my mind, I, there's no question. So he's going to go to Arizona. They're going to use him in the middle. Yeah, they've already said that. They're just like, yeah, here you go. And yeah. they said, you know what, he's going to make mistakes, and that's the way it is. And, um, you know, maybe getting out of Montreal will be a good thing for him. But I happen to think Galchenyuk can score in this league. And I know that it is hard to score. I yeah. I like what Arizona did in this deal. Yep. Yeah, it, it, you're right about Galchenyuk. It's just if he he scored, I think he got, what did he get uh, as a center? 30 a couple years ago? Two, three years ago? Right. Um, and then they just, they're like, ah, you can't play center. <laughs> That's it. And even the entire fire of the season that was last year. Now we're not even going to put you in the middle. I, it's all, my just, argument yeah. last year, and I'm yeah. on Montreal radio twice a week. Yeah. But my argument was, how bad can he be? <laughs> right, right. As a centerman, 
like, never mind what he can or can't do. Yeah. I'm curious, in a team that is finishing 29th or 30th, whatever they finished, how could he negatively affect that? Yeah. Put him in the middle and see if he is a center. Well, I don't know. They can say he's not, but in my mind, they didn't coach him up. Mm -hmm. He didn't get a like a full schooling to see if he can play. Now, maybe he can't, and maybe they know that. Mm-hmm. But you traded him for a winger. They need yep. center. Well, they, they, I think, didn't uh, Bergevin say, well, uh, Max has played some center before? And, no, I, yeah, I yeah. said that earlier. <laughs> right, right. I said, yeah, I, I'm, that's why I said, like, I almost threw up in my mouth. Like, seriously. Yeah, yeah. You cannot do this. Yeah. You can't do this again. <laughs> And 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 Jonathan Duran didn't exactly. He's not exactly working out as a center either. They put him they, there, and but I don't think that's know. fair for him. Right. I mean, right. You, he's a dynamic player. He's a a guy that can score. He can. In a lot of ways, he's like Domi, except he's more of a scorer. Now maybe the two of them will play together, but if they do, I'd like to see a a stronger, like mm-hmm. a physically stronger centerman in the middle for them. Sure like a diligent guy in the middle of them. I, I don't want to see either of them playing in the middle if I'm a Canadiens fan. Right, right. Well, one or both will be, right? Uh, even though you don't want to see it, you got to figure. Yeah, I, yep, I, yep. I mean, unless they, unless they draft uh, uh, Kanyemi, the Finnish kid, at, at three, and they decide to put him in as an 18-year-old, um, yeah. I, I mean, you're, where are you going to find three centermen? Yeah, everything and I they, read you know, seems like that. He's not. I mean, he could make a jump next year, but he's not a sure thing to make the jump next year. Um, Why? Well, right. I, I don't see too many eighteen-year-olds that are really, really ready to do that. Nineteen is a different story. Mm-hmm. Twenty is certainly a different story, but eighteen is a tough goal. All right. So we touched on Ottawa last week. Another trade that happened. We touched on Ottawa last week and sort of everything that's going on around them, and they. Traded Mike Hoffman. We, we talked about the controversy that's going on. Uh, Pierre Dorian from the Senators flipped him to San Jose. San Jose immediately turned around and flipped him uh, to Florida. Um, I, I, the best part of this whole deal is Doug Wilson of the Sharks gives up a sixth, a seventh. Michael Bodker gets a second, a fourth, and two fifths back. Nice job, Doug Wilson. That's the best part of this whole deal to me. <laughs> well, Doug Wilson quietly for a quarter century almost has i think it's i think it's 20 plus years now got to be right has yeah. done a really really good job in San Jose and he for a team that doesn't have a huge budget he doesn't get full cap room mm-hmm. he takes big swings at players you know like he's yep. he's not shy he traded for Joe Thornton um he just you know he just he made the trade uh, kind of a complicated one for Martin Jones. He stepped out ahead of it and said, mm-hmm. we think this guy's our number one goalie. And he, he stepped ahead because Jones, this is, so now I just thought of this. He got Martin Jones from Los Angeles through Boston. Yep, through Boston. True, yep. And so he takes, he ends up with the second, or the second and the fourth, but and two fifths by taking a player and just moving him along. <laughs> so he's creative. He's dug in. Uh, on some on some deals that have been uh, hard deals to get done, and um, year after year, it seems San Jose is a a team you look at and go, you know what? They're pretty good. Yeah. They're you know there they were this year. I thought they were a surprise, and they were good. And then they add Evander Kane. 
he finished really well. Well, we'll see what he's like in the long term. Like, is he going to be old Evander Kane, or is he yeah. a mature Evander Yeah, I, I, I'm, I, I mean, I'm not sure. I don't know. My jur- my, yeah. I'm out. I'm, I'm out on Evander Kane for a long-term deal. But we'll see. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? Right? Yeah, I mean, I, yep. it's, you know, you they swung with him here. Mm-hmm. Like, they took a big swing. And they've got to be um, they've got to be betting that it's yep. a mature cane and not the other cane. Um, so Pierre, apparently, this is one of the reasons this happened is because Pierre Dorian doesn't like to do deals in his own division. Although Dale Talon kind of said, "Hey, we'd asked about him uh, a week ago, and the price was too high." So maybe there was some sort of dialogue. I don't know. I kind of getting conflicting. Yeah, well, from what Frank, I read. Frank Saravelli uh, from TSN's reported that Dorian doesn't like to trade in his. Mm-hmm in his division and has sold him so. And um, then, you know, you hear Dale Talon's comments. Um, to me, anybody that, any manager that says, I don't want to trade a player in my own division, I think is asinine. Mm-hmm. It's an asinine thought. Because the divisions are seven and eight teams big now. It's not like they're four. Yeah. And so the most you can play somebody in your division is five times. So you're going to let five games determine whether you could possibly get a better asset or assets for a player you're trading? To me, that's crazy because there's 77 other games. If, if Mike Hoffman scores two goals a game against me, and you know I trade him across the street, yeah. he scores two goals a game against me for five games, I still got 77 other games. Mm-hmm. And... If he doesn't want to trade in his division, look at what happened. He ended up in his division anyway. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You can't control everything. What you can control are the assets you got back. They got Michael Bodker. San Jose's thrilled to trade Michael Bodker. Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, I don't think, you know, from what I understand, um, you know, Dorian was trying to to make this deal before this story broke. Mm-hmm. And that's not made him super popular, but you don't have to be the most popular guy in the room anyway. You yeah. just have to get deals done. Now he's sitting there with Zach Smith and Eric Carlson to, you know, that he's got to deal with. Well, not got to deal with, but well, TSN, likely will yeah. deal with. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're, the draft. Yeah. Your, your, uh, your TSN insider, Darren Dreger, uh, is reporting that the, that seems like Eric Carlson is going to move. So um, that'll be interesting. Um, I can't believe, though, Dale Talon. We talked about this last week on the show. I mean, I think both of us agreed, Ray. Uh, you can't make a deal for Hoffman until you find out whether these allegations are true or not. I, didn't we? I mean, I, that's what I think. I can't believe you wouldn't well, wait. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have made the deal. No, you got to find out. you got to wait. But Dale Talon's like, that's yeah, fine. I talked to the wives and girlfriends and players. Everybody's cool. I'm like, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, but what is what is you know what is a player's wife going to say? So you're Dale Talon. Mm-hmm. You call uh, I don't know yep. Roberto Luongo's wife, sure. for example, because I know he's married. I don't know who the you know I don't know who's married. Right, 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 right. But you call him up and say. And call her up and say, okay, I'm thinking of bringing this, this, <laughs> this player in. Yeah. You've read the story. What do you think? Like you're asking a player's wife? Yeah. Like you have to do your own research. You have to, you have to wait for, like, it shouldn't take very long 
to really know the true story about what happened. I wouldn't think I, so. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not an IT guy. Hell, I can't. <laughs> I can barely turn my computer on. But um, no, there, I, yeah. I would think you could get to the bottom of this without discussing this with another player's wife. I, I just, I, I'm with you. I can't. I you just you got to find out with the accounts who, who the emails they're registered to, and then go back and there's IP addresses. I mean, there's plenty of things to get to the bottom of this, and I expect it to be resolved shortly. And then you make a trade for Mike Hoffman or not? To me, but yeah, wow, wow. Yeah, I, um, yeah. To, to me, it was. Um, I woke up and the email was there that he's been traded. I was like, "Really, San Jose? Wow! Mm-hmm. Whoa, never mind." Yep, it's now Florida. You know, like it, it was that quick to yep. me. You know, because I by the time I woke up, it was one trade to the other very quickly. Yep. So it seems like Eric Carlson's going to be in play and and maybe gone. Uh, to me, I, I said this on our on Paul Pocky Twitter. Just tear it all down. That's that's what you got to do now. I think. You know, that's it. Well, I I don't know how you you don't. Now we yep. just talked about the Islanders and the credibility, mm-hmm. um, and the Senators suffer from that more than anybody in the league right now. It used to be Arizona, mainly because of the building, mm-hmm. and that's kind of quieted down, although I don't think that's yeah. really too far in the background. Uh, it's certainly not solved, but right now there's no team with a credibility issue bigger than, than Ottawa. No, And so, you know, signing Eric Carlson, you can say, is, um, is a step to restoring credibility. Uh, I, I don't view it that way. Uh, to me, it's just... It, it, it's a, it's a, it becomes a desperate move more than the right move. Where they are as a team, yeah. They, I, I, signing Eric Carlson or not is not going to make them a, a playoff team. I don't think there's a chance that he's going to sign. And the reason I don't, and I don't know this, but mm-hmm. Carlson is going to be in the ten, eleven, twelve million dollar range. I just don't see Ottawa paying that. Yep. What do you do if you're Pierre Dorian and you have the choice to flip-flop picks with Colorado? What do you What do you do? What do you mean? You give them the pick this year or next? Yeah, year? yeah. What, what What do you? So, so for people that don't know, that was part of the Matt Duchesne deal. Was that Ottawa would give them a first-round pick in either 2018 or 2019? Yeah. Now neither of those picks are lottery protected. Right. Staggering. And, and, Staggering. And, so now. <laughs> Ottawa's got the fourth pick. So they can give Colorado that fourth pick this year or keep it, and then they default their own pick next year. They can't acquire another pick. And, and, and give that to Colorado. Them. Right. It's it their own, their pick. own yeah. pick. Yeah. So what do you do? For me, I give them the pick this year. Do you? Because you're going to be worse the, next year? <laughs> well, I think it doesn't matter what you do this year. Okay. You're not going to be a playoff team. So you're going to be in the lottery again. Okay. What happens if you keep the pick, you draft Philip Zudina or um, Quinn Hughes or Kotkaniemi if he's there, like whatever you might at four. How much of a difference are they going to make to you this year? And the answer is not very much. So this all goes into one gigantic pot of soup. So you trade Eric Carlson. You're going to be worse. You insist on a first-round pick this year, so that replaces the the pick yeah. that you're going to give up. They already have the 24 pick, mm-hmm. so you you get at least a first-round pick back. You get an NHL defenseman with a high ceiling, like the you know the rumored trade was with Vegas. Mm-hmm. 
Vegas doesn't have a first-round pick this year. Right. So Vegas would have to go out and acquire a first-round pick to make the deal if I'm Ottawa. Because I would want Vegas's first-round pick wherever they acquire one. Yep. I would want Shea Theodore. And I would want one of the three guys that they drafted in the first round last, last year. year. Yeah. And if and if Vegas can't do that, then I move on. Like I'm I'm right, right. I'm I'm keeping this as tight as you know, I, I'm keeping a high standard here sure. for my deal. Yeah. So if you give it up next year, like you keep the pick and you decide to give it up next year, mm-hmm. what if you're just as bad and you win the lottery, and you draft first, and yeah. you hand Colorado the first pick overall. And around that time, Matt Duchesne, who you acquired in that first-round pick trade, says, I'm not signing here. Oh, is, is his deal up? I'm sorry. I didn't know this. When, when, yeah, he's when is got that? one year left. Next, these, oh. He can be signed July 1st. Yeah, yeah. But if you're Matt Duchesne, <laughs> given what's going on right now, <laughs> yeah. would you sign? Hell no. Right. Well, I wouldn't. I yeah. would wait. I would just let me just see how this is all going to play out. Oh, I thought Matt had more years left. This is even worse, right? The way you're taking this yeah. now, <laughs> this is making it even worse. Yeah, you get into a dark corner pretty quick here. <laughs> right, right. Oh, Ottawa Senator fans, good luck. Have fun the next few years. Have some fun. Oh boy. And and you got a building that's you yeah. know three quarters full at best. You know, yeah. they're trying to build a new building. The owners, you know, made comments at the outdoor game. Oh, about, boy. Well, if it doesn't work here, it'll work somewhere <laughs> else. You know, like, it is a train wreck. Yeah. Well, Gary said it's all good. <laughs> Do you see those comments from uh, Gary Bettman? Yeah. yeah. I mean, what's he supposed to say, right? Uh, right, of course. Uh, all right. Uh, moving on from that, uh, if you had any doubt that uh, Seattle was going to be the NHL's next expansion team, of which I don't think people did have much doubt. Uh, cross that off because uh, they've hired Dave Tippett as an advisor. And Ray, former teammate of yours, a guy you know well, uh, smart hockey guy, uh, things should work out here. It's a good move. Um, yeah, Tip, Tip's been out for a couple of years. Um, uh, I, I, he said himself he doesn't see himself in a management role, which is really kind of interesting to me. Um, because it would be odd to hire a guy that you think is going to be your coach before you hire the rest of the organization. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm not really sure what the consultant's role entails, but he is a good hockey guy. He's smart. He's um, he's thoughtful. Um, he got he got involved in a in a little bit of a power struggle in in um, um Arizona in, in Arizona where he was coaching managing got into the mm-hmm. you know develop or not the development but the um how they evaluate players and all that it was just uh it, it was it was yep. a boondoggle is what it was and and I would say that you know the similarity there to Ottawa is that like any franchise or any business if the very very top of it is not organized mm-hmm. then everything else underneath it is going to crumble it's funny how that works huh yeah yeah oh it's like yeah you can't even you can't even fix it with really good people making really good decisions if the top of the pyramid mm-hmm. isn't solid because the weight of that just pushes everything else down yeah 
Yeah, interesting. All right, well, yeah, uh, that'll be interesting to see what the, I expect that franchise to be awarded. I think late next year is what they're saying, Some governor's meetings or general manager's meetings or something right. later in the year. You know, so, yep. I, w- I will say this. There's, there is no rush, but because they've got to get it all right. And so had they awarded the franchise already, I don't know if you saw this, but just this past week, there's a lawsuit been filed against the group that is no, I did not renovating the, oh. the key center ah, okay. in key arena. Seattle. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's the apartment complexes that are around there. They're saying, you know, there are environmental concerns. They're saying, look, for two years, there's going to be vibration of the ground. And, oh, boy. You know, <laughs> and you're yeah, like, yeah. you know what? Yeah. They're not wrong. I mean, yeah. they are drilling down, a, yeah. you know, to build an arena or to extend the arena. So that's not quite settled yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always think, and, and and the biggest problem is there's another guy, Chris Hansen, that would like to have a team, but he wants to build a building south, south of the yeah. city. Yeah. And so, you know, there's a conflict here, and so the league is the league is 100% correct in doing their diligence on this and going slowly. It might be too slow for the rest of us, but too bad. Mm-hmm. This is the right way to go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. Oh, by the way, uh, I have my computer open in front of me here. Uh, Darren Drager, your TSN, says, Sources say Barry Trotz and the Islanders are closing in on an agreement to be coach. So that, that is well, going to happen. It makes a lot of sense, doesn't yep, it? Yep, yep. Um, all right, a couple other things before we take some questions from you people. Thank you for listening. As well, always, hey, let's, Steve, uh, what? Let's, let's move from there to John Tavares. That's what I was going to do. Right, John wow. Tavares. Wow. Okay, so you say Tavares in the States, we say Tavares in Canada. Yeah, Tavares. Yeah, that's, that's okay. Isn't that right? Yeah. Same guy, number 91 with the Islanders. He's yeah. really good. But, I, but I'm Canadian, now, so I why would, don't I say it the Canadian way? I don't know. Because you live in the States. Yeah, good point. Okay. Right, but there you go. That didn't take much detective work. <laughs> I still, I still feel Canadian, though. You know, but uh, um, well, you feel Canadian. What's the temperature there today? Yeah, it's uh, it's probably like a hundred already, ninety-five right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. We just had three days in the, you know, in the high nineties or mid to high nineties in Vancouver. Oh, which is like, like getting punched in the face oh, like we just don't get that today's closer to like 74 we're like oh yeah, nice you live day. you live in god's country i live in the desert this is yeah. <laughs> this is the desert you're right so we'll go to Tavares. Tavares. Yeah, Tavares. and right. um you know for whatever the conversations that they can have right now they've got a leg up on everybody else because they can have conversations and nobody else can until that week just finished the draft Right where yeah. where Tavares could talk to other teams. So by putting Barry Trotz in place, if that's what happens, um, if you're Tavares, you're starting to think, or you should be starting to think, wow, this is going to be a lot different ship here. Yeah, and it would and it would really matter to me as a player. It would really matter. The one thing I just can't get my head around, and I certainly don't have the information because uh, nobody really does, is. What's the deal, real deal, with the arena? Yeah, you've been saying that. Yeah, you're just like, well, well a few shows ago, you said, is Lou, does Lou bring in a shovel? Is he going to start digging this new arena? Right. Right. Now, so the, the information from the owners, um, uh, John Ledecky and Scott Malkin, have to be, you know, that they've moved along the process, that yep. they're, here they are in the approvals process. This is, you know, this is when we really can get a shovel in the ground. Oh, gee, we don't know when we can get a shovel in the ground. 
because you don't want to be driving around like a vagabond for the next five years. Yeah, I mean, you know that that would matter to me. Now, maybe they end up somehow back in the Coliseum, although it would be the smallest arena in the league by quite some. I thought that was the plan to play some games there, like stamp it. Right, it was but done. I'm talking about more. Oh, okay, because all of them. The, yeah. the lease, the lease is up in Brooklyn. Yeah, uh, after this year, I think, and so. Um, you know, like they got to play somewhere, and they don't want to go back to Brooklyn because you're a dead tenant there. Yeah, but could okay. they go back to the Coliseum? I don't know. Look, look. The, the main thing I want to talk to you about, right, is never mind that. What about the Leafs getting creative with proposals for Tavares and some fil- some players filming some spots apparently for him? And what is going on with the Maple Leafs and Tavares? What what are we doing there? Well, I don't I don't know exactly what. A video is going to do like you know if you hang up a or if you make a video with his sweater hanging in a stall in the ECC is that going to be the thing that goes oh yeah <laughs> I'm going to go to the lease it would for me but yeah yeah exactly right you know um, not, but you know, I mean what if, I I don't know I mean like as I think of it so if if Tavares is in the twelve million dollar range mm-hmm. North of ten, anyway. Oh, for sure, right? Ma- for sure. Matthews is Matthews is north of ten. Mm-hmm. That's twenty. Where do you think Marner's at? Yeah, is he twenty? Is he eight? So let's say let's Marner's let's for sure seven. For sure seven. Yeah, yeah, seven. Right. Yeah. Okay, so let's give him seven. Yeah. Just because we're going to be cheap. Right. So you've got probably eleven Tavares, eleven Matthews, seven Matthews, or. I'm sorry, oh, somebody, 11 Marner. Tavares, yeah. 11 Matthews, 7 Marner. That's 29. you got three forwards signed. <laughs> Caps, 80. Now you got $51 million for the rest of the team. Where's William Nylander? Yeah, he's a bridge. We're bridging Willie Nee. That's what we're doing. Okay, but yeah. where? At what? Uh, six. Okay, six. So now you're at 35. This is, and this will be for next year. Yeah. yeah. Right? Yeah. So there are $33 million. Now you're at $33 million, you got four signed. You don't have any defense yet. You've got uh, yeah. Zaitsev at four. You've got Riley at five. Five, yeah. Gardner's coming up as a free agent. Yeah, he's a UFA, um, right? Yeah, he's a UFA next year. UFA next yep. year. Yep. So you're either at six plus for Gardner or you move him. Like, I don't know. You can't just, you can't just collect players. You've got to build a team. And Tavares would only scare me in the sense that his cap hit is going to be really prohibitive because you have Matthews. You can't have Tavares and go to Austin Matthews and say, "Hey, because we have John, we'd like to sign you for less." Yeah, I don't really know like what that's not happening. Yeah, I don't really know what they were mean, what these media reports meant when they said creative. I assumed massively backloaded, frontloaded. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Yeah, you, there's no such thing anymore. Yeah, because it's all on the annual value. No, but if he just so took he one, one or a year, one, two years, I don't know. I, that's what I'm thinking. I, but I, why would Tavares? You I, mean Tavares take two years? Yeah, like I'm trying to think like at the max. Why would he do that? I why why would so <laughs> if the Islanders are going to offer him a hundred million for eight years? Let's that's twelve point something, twelve point five million for eight years. Say let's for argument's sake, let's say they are going to offer that. Why would he take two years, twelve million, the same salary, or fifteen million? The cap, the max, yeah, million, the max, right? Whatever the yeah. max is. Right. Why would he do that for two years? He's left six years of money on the table. What if he gets hurt? 
I don't know, Ray. I'm just telling you what these media reports are saying. I got me well, excited. Who, yeah, okay. And this is why, like, you should never really put too much stock in it unless you look at it, take a step back and go, okay, that's what's there. Let's look at this from a realistic standpoint. And, and honestly, without banging my own drum, I think I can do that really well. Like, mm-hmm. take away any emotion to any decision because I really don't care. Well, you were a former player as well. Yes, right. Yes. But, I mean, I don't care if Tavares goes to the Islander or stays with the yeah, Islanders, yeah. goes to Toronto. I could care less. I can step back and go, I see there's 10 reports, but it doesn't make any sense to me. Okay. I wouldn't. So 20% of the cap um, is about $15 million. So say he signs two years, $30 million. Right. He's leaving $70 million on the table. How does that make any sense? Well, I guess it doesn't, Ray. I'm just reading these reports and thinking about maybe, maybe they, you know, they did the Stephen Samco's deals where they went and they lined up a bunch of endorsements from Canadian Tire and these other companies that are based in Toronto to make up seventy million dollars. <laughs> no, no, definitely not to make up seventy million dollars. And and also, this right. is Canada, not the United States. Yeah, like the dollars just, just aren't the same. They, they just aren't. Don't call me chum or pal. I feel like that's coming any second here. Pretty soon. Right. Oh, you've been worse. Right. You've been worse. On okay, this all right. All right. Okay, good. So, let's let look. Prediction for John Tavares from Ray Ferrar. Prediction. Stay. Staying. Stay. Yep. With Barry Trotz, stay. Yep. Yep. Because I, I think you were saying leaving you know, six months ago or three months ago. Yep. Whenever the last time I we was. did this. Right. Yep. yep. Um. All right, uh, let's get to some Twitter questions from some uh, listeners. Thanks again for submitting them. At Paul Pocky, as always. Um, just a comment from Dale Hunter's helmet is that he took your advice and watched a few George McPhee fights. Holy cow, could he throw them. So you would- <laughs> The crazy part is when you see George and you talk to him, he's the most mild, soft-spoken guy. Yep. But you can see, like, there's a... There's a hardness to George. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I got to get things done. Like, there's that there for George. But he's an incredibly nice guy. Right. Really nice. Then you look at those fights, and you're like, how does that guy (laughs) turn in, or how did that guy turn into this guy? The only other guy I know that I can make the same comparison with is Ron Hextall. Right. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. He's insane to me. He's, he seems like he's crazy. He had 120 minutes in his last year of junior, penalty minutes. <laughs> we played together. Yeah. I felt really secure with Ron and Ned. Yeah, and then the... Like, just think of that. The, of all the tough guys we had wandering around that were protecting me, and I was very grateful for because the, the era was different. You needed, you needed somebody looking yeah. after your shadow. And... Um, to now, Hexy's soft-spoken. Mm-hmm. He's quiet. He wears those little glasses. I always bug him about that. I'm like, geez, you're you're like studious, <laughs> right? And then you look at the the uh, brawl with Montreal near the end of the playoff game, where he's got his well, tongue watch out. Kent Nilsson when it, they're in <laughs> yeah. the finals. Kent yeah. Nilsson just skates through the crease, <laughs> right. and Hexy takes a baseball swing at him. Oh, and he says, you know, I, you know, I had to keep you know keep those guys out of my crease. Kent Nilsson? Right. He never went in the crease ever. Right. I think he he later said that he thought it was somebody else, but it didn't matter. Kent got it anyways. Right. But, it, yeah. it was a guy in an oiler sweater is who he right, thought it was. Right. Uh, you're right. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so Dale Hunter's helmet is uh, 
Watching. And by the way, congrats to George. Yeah, um, pretty easy vote. I think that was probably no. as unanimous as they would have come. Him and Gallant. Well, Gallant wasn't unanimous, and I'm just like, holy smokes, can't believe that. Yeah, what were the? Who got the other first, first uh, place votes? Uh, Jared Bednar got one or two, and um, uh, uh, oh, who else? I saw it last night. Bednar got. You know two. what? Yeah, I, I good for Jared Bednar because that guy got handed a sack of crap mm-hmm. in Colorado. Yep. You know, like you're coaching in the minors, you're you're trying to build your resume so you get to be an NHL coach. The NHL coach quits, and you get hired. And oh, by the way, this is your staff because we've already hired them. Yeah, yeah. And here's the team that you don't really know. Good luck. Oh, and by the way, there's a mess in the locker room. Duchesne wants to be traded. Yeah. Um. And it was. And oh, and our goalie is going to get hurt. And so the fact that he. They thought enough of him to give him a second year, and he did so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, good for him. Uh, Cassidy. Bruce Cassidy got the other vote. Right. Yep. Uh, all right. Clark McPherson said, uh, Ray mentioned teammates don't always get along on the show in spite of success. Who are two teammates that had success together on the ice but didn't get along off of it? Yeah, I mean, there's um, – there, there are um, – you know, without – I'm not going to name guys because I don't think it's fair – unless I'm writing a book and mm-hmm. I would ask the guys if it would be okay if I named them. But there are absolute 100% examples of teammates that guys that played on the same line, yep. the fence pairs that played together, really, huh? that couldn't stand each other. Wow, yeah. And Good. it just, you know, for various reasons, some of them um, personality, yep. some of them contract, some of them, you know, wives and families and things. Yeah, yeah. And the the real story there is not that two guys didn't like each other because that happens all the time, right? Like yeah. you don't like like we're different. We work kind of as individuals, right? But if you were working in a company of 25 or 50 people, there would always be guys that you don't like. Yeah, and I have I have and there are. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and it just it just the way it is. And so you you do your work and you avoid so, the problem and you just move on. But in a team, it, the real issue becomes the two guys don't like each other, but some guys like player A and some guys like player B. And if, it's, if the players are prominent enough, then it drives a wedge because players are on different sides of the fence. So and then it becomes a real problem. You know what's funny, though, is you, you watch goal celebrations – and pretty much everyone I can ever think of seeing in my life, and that's thousands of them, they, everyone seems happy for the guy that scores. And yeah, now we call it the fun bunch. And now i gotta look, Now I got to go back and look throughout history and see the reaction. Oh, yeah. maybe, maybe I can find somebody who Everybody's just Everybody's happy in the fun bunch. Okay, so it always is, even if you hate the dude, you're happy. Yeah, well, you yeah. just scored. It's right. good for all of you. Okay. And that's, you know, Chris Tamer, one of my favorite teammates with Atlanta, when, whenever we'd score, he'd come in and he'd, and he'd yell like "fun bunch, fun bunch!" <laughs> <laughs> it was always, and we'd always laugh. You yeah. do it all the time. Right, it, right. it was one of those like an old joke that never really isn't is not funny. Yeah, yeah. You're just like we're hammering this thing, and it's always good. It's always funny. Yeah, and it's always good. Um, all right. Uh, what was Doug Wilson as crafty as a player as he is a GM? Um, and we talked about him, of course, as a GM. But as a player, this could be Ray's random NHLer also. Uh, Doug Wilson. 
smart, really heady, um, like get the puck, move it, a good skater, an absolute bomb of a shot. I would love to see guys like Doug Wilson uh, shoot with the technology of today. Yeah. Like, he would shoot it in the old Chicago stadium. The blue line seemed like it was about 32 feet. Like, and the goalies played differently. Like, he would beat goalies clean from the blue line. Mm-hmm. Like, that was, a, that was a scoring chance from the blue line. Like, they'd pass it back to the point. And guys weren't quite as crazy about blocking shots. Right. Like our equipment wasn't quite as good. Yeah. And so he'd just walk into one and just hammer it. But Doug Wilson was an excellent, excellent player on some very, very good teams. He would have been on that team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals that uh, got swept out by yep, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh yep, yep. Um, but very good, and, excellent and player. One of the last guys to play without a helmet, too. I think McTavish right. was. And he also... Yep. Doug had that um, uh, aura, uh, like almost a regal aura yeah, yeah. about him. You know, like he, he was – and Chicago had some hellaciously tough teams. Yep. Al Secord, Ben Wilson, Kurt Fraser, um, Dirk Graham. Like you'd go in there and Dirk, you'd hate that Dirk place. Graham? Dirk Graham was a – killer was he really i never knew yeah. this. I, I just, uh, that was a bad every once in a while he would just beat up somebody and you'd be like "Ooh, Dirk Graham. I, he didn't work out as a coach i remember but, that but i didn't know he was a killer no. yeah but you'd yeah. you'd go down the right side of their ice for example and they had kurt fraser al secord and if you got around those two yeah. then ben wilson was standing there uh, ben Not wilson good. apparently was a legit Heavyweight, like very, very underrated, legit guy and, who could throw. And, very, and here, okay, so the heavyweights never really bugged me because yeah, what, what were they going to do? Beat me up? They do that for breakfast. Yeah, <laughs> the, the guys that bugged me or scared me, I guess is probably the best term, <laughs> were the ones that were a little crazy, <laughs> a little unpredictable, right? Because they just might for you might get them on a day where they're not feeling so good about themselves. <laughs> or right. they got stuck in traffic or something. Something, and right. You'd just, and you'd just get it. The one thing Ben Wilson was famous for, because he wasn't a great skater. You know, like he wasn't fast. Mm-hmm. You could get outside of him. Yep. And then you'd cut to the net. And you knew if you cut to the net, sooner or later, he was going to lay the lumber on you. It was coming. You just didn't know when. <laughs> and the problem was he was about six foot five. Yeah, he was a big guy. And when Ben Wilson slashed you, you were slashed. Ben Wilson. Like that hurt. Ben Wilson and Dave Manson cut from the same cloth, probably. Another Chicago okay, guy. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Yeah. Dave Manson just got hired as an assistant coach in the American League. Oh, he did? His boy, Josh, plays with uh, Anaheim. Yep. Um, I can say this, um, and I say it with no. Um, no reservations mm-hmm. or no or no shame yeah. either. Either Dave Manson was one of the players that scared the hell out of me, <laughs> and this went all the way back to when he was in Prince Albert. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, was, he was the, yep. I was playing in Brandon, and uh, that was the year I had 108 goals. And we'd go into Prince Albert, and you would. Um, um, you would have to go into this little tiny building and they were kind of tough, kind of really tough. And they'd have Dave Manson and Ken Baumgartner 
on the blue line. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, the two of them. Right. <laughs> and so if, if you had a power play, if you could get somebody to stand in front of the net long enough right. to let those savages slash you, yeah. you could, or cross-check you, eventually you might get a power play. Right. Another one. You'd yeah. get a five on. Three. Yeah, yeah. But so there was there was this game, and and I I'm sure Dave would never even remember this because you just don't remember everything. But I'll tell you, I remember. So we're we're playing. It was in Long Island. He was in front of the net. Uh, we were on a power play, mm-hmm. and he was just abusing me, like just <laughs> yeah, just cross check, flat, like whatever yeah. defensemen used to do all the time. Yeah, right. Yeah, in it, at that time, and there was. Nothing happened, right? Right. No, I mean, eventually, like if your limb fell off, they would call a penalty, but it had to almost be that bad because they would. That was just the way the front of the net was then. So anyway, he's just given it to me, and I turn around as he's skating up the ice, and I just I lay a two hander on the back of his legs. I get him good, and so <laughs> of course I'm a little quicker, so I scurry away. Right, because yeah. I don't really want much of this. Well, we missed the breakout pass, and it goes right to Manson. Right, it yeah. comes right yep. down the ice right. to him. Yep. Now I'm I'm outside the offensive blue line um, at this point. Yeah, and um, I turn around to go get the puck. Yeah, you're like, where the puck? Go? And Manson right. has it. Right. <laughs> and I look, and I just have enough of a of a moment to realize that he's going to slap it at me. <laughs> and so I I hit the deck, and he rifles it down the ice. It just goes straight over my head, yeah. right? Right down the ice. Yeah. And he goes, don't ever do that again. <laughs> I can tell you for certain, I never, oh, ever, ever did awesome. it again. Oh, that's great. He scared the hell out of me. <laughs> we... You know, he's been on this show before. I had I have mutual friends, and, and when 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 I, year one of this show, I had him on. Yep. And what a, a guy! What a nice guy! Yeah. He he hated yes. being called Charlie. He said he hated that. He said he kind of had this did what he had to do. You know, he's got the soft voice because of the punch to the to the throat years ago. Right. Yeah. Okay, but see the voice. Yeah. The voice made him even more scary. <laughs> right. It's like Darth Vader. Where to him, he's just like he's just a soft-spoken guy. He's a yeah. You know, I think he's a farm guy, a farm kid, yeah. growing up. Yeah. You know, like just <laughs> he was tough. Oh, yeah. oh I. I, got I, a- I I was so happy to like he would be one of the guys. There would be an injury, and he'd be or he'd be banged up and out of the lineup when we play a game against his team. Yeah, I'd be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Manson's out. Sweet. Uh, yeah, I got, I got his. I got his kid some dirt bike parts, and he really, he really appreciated it. And then he sent me a check and a little, nice little note. I got a check from Dave Manson. I couldn't believe it. Um, yeah, I got one too. <laughs> at the end of his stick. Right. Exactly. Uh, Ray from Mike DeKalb. Uh, as far as attitude and skill, who was the best r- rookie Ray ever played with on your team? Attitude Ooh, and skill. On- Attitude and skill. Well, let's see. Let's see. I'm just going. I'm just rattling through here a bit. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I would say in, um, like in Hartford, it might have been somebody like Scott Young, who oh, yeah. was just a yeah. terrific kid. He played both 
as an 18-year-old, Scotty played both forward and defense. Hmm. Right? Like, that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. pretty... Yeah, pretty, pretty good. Pretty good stuff. Um, most of the time, the rookies that came for us, we didn't get any 18, 19-year-old rookies, right? Yeah. Because players were older... Times were different. ...by the yeah. time that, that they came. Um, like, both Heatley and Kovalchuk would be at the very top. They're, they were really good guys as, as young guys, and yep. they were supremely talented, both of them. Um, I, I would say probably they were the... They were the best. Yeah, yeah. You you watch those. I really I really liked them a lot, and uh, both of them. And I really, um, you know, and it was obvious how much skill they had. Yeah, at that time, you're an older guy. You're like, look at these kids. Holy smokes! Yeah, but what I what I liked best was that for both of them, you could you could say something to them, Mm -hmm. like to try and help them out a bit. Yep. And they they'd get it. You know, like they'd try to. Yeah. They wouldn't give you the old, you know, Bobby Big Wheel. Right, beat you know, it, beat an which, old man or which, whatever. Right, yeah. Yeah. yeah, and because it, at that point you're just trying to help, and if they don't, they don't want to take it. Well, then yeah. they don't want to take it. You yeah. know, they don't want to take the help. But I, I would say those would be the the best for me. Right. Well, uh, thanks for the questions. We'll try to get to them next week. Uh, there were some really good ones you guys sent in, but the Dave Manson story took too long, and uh, and we've passed our window. So uh, we'll get to some more of these next week. Uh, thank you, Ray, for doing this. Appreciate it. we got the draft this week, uh, free agency coming up. Uh, so, yeah, please, people, keep uh, keep listening. Keep tuning in for at least a few more weeks, uh, paulpocky.com and Stitcher and uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. And as always, Ray, great stuff, and thank you. No, you bet. That was awesome. Um, I hope everybody enjoys it. Let us know what you think. And if you have questions, get them in anyway. Even if, you know, if you think one as you're listening to the pod, get it in and Steve will put it in the queue. Um, We've got, we'll have all kinds of stuff to talk about for sure um, next Wednesday. Uh, I assume it'll be Wednesday when we, Mm -hmm. when we tape again, but the draft and then we'll, we'll be right into the midst of the last or the week of courting period. Um, that we'll hear lots of guys that are talking to this team and that team. So be lots of good stuff next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Ray. Cool. Thanks.